Okay, we are blessed to have our second message for today. Uh, brought to us by Barnabas Grayson, entitled Grace and Truth. afternoon everyone <clears throat> as Steve mentioned uh, about the, uh, the storm that hit the Midwest there's a lot of tragedy a lot of sadness going on at this time because you know those people that lost their lives they were all especially the ones who have survived it's really changed their perspective on uh, the holidays that are coming because they won't have some of their loved ones there so you never know when tragedy's gonna strike and uh, there are weather warnings of course and sometimes uh, you never know you kind of take it for granted well it's just gonna go around you but sometimes sometimes it doesn't so there are tragedies that take away life all of a sudden and it brought to me a scripture In the book of uh, Luke, it says they were present, and this is in uh, Luke uh, 13, verses 1 through uh, 5. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all? the uh, Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he talks about the, the tower, those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloams fell and slew them. Think you that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem. And so the point of it all being... In verse 5, I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Because that's how mortal we are. That's how we are subject to the, the, the tragedies of this world. And so we pray for one another, especially, you know, for family and friends and hoping that they are out of harm's way every day. But I'd like to talk about grace and truth this afternoon in the book of John. We'll start there, chapter uh, 1, verse 14 through 17. In verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word full of is like overflowing with grace and truth. So John is describing the glorious uh, character of Jesus Christ when he uh, dwelt among them. They saw his kindness, they saw his love, they saw his mercy. They saw those good qualities that they had heard about and that he spoke truth. So we know that the apostles, they followed Jesus and they were men of faith. They knew the scriptures and they believed in the Father. And also in Jesus, they, uh, they saw the Father's Son, full of grace, full of mercy, full of love, full of compassion. 
So in verse 15, John bare witness of him. This is John the Baptist. And he cried, saying, This is he of whom I spoke. He that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. So he's saying Jesus existed before me, and that he was in the beginning, and that he was the Word, and the Word was God, and that he was God and became flesh. Verse 16, And of his fullness have all we received. And grace for grace, grace for grace, it's just one aspect of grace, all those other things that come under that, that heading, that loving grace. And we're all beneficiaries, along with the apostles of Christ, overflow of grace, that is, his saving grace through the forgiveness of our sins. We know from memory, I guess, that sin is the transgression of the law and that the penalty for sin is, is death. So sin is a serious thing, and we know that the wages of sin is death. It keeps, sometimes will keep us mindful of doing the right thing in our life, because even to break one command is to be guilty of all the other uh, commandments and, and its penalty uh, coming down on us. Yet we know that we are forgiven, and that we have Jesus as our personal Savior, and we live in his grace. Now, in this world, there are sins that we see, and there are sins that we do, sins we do not see, and there are things we do in an overt manner, you know, out in the open, and there are things we do in, in a covert manner, uh, in, a hidden, in a hidden or disguised way. So in, a, in an overt manner, it's, it's like, you know, pulling up to a stop sign, and knowing that is the law, that we are to stop at the stop sign because there is a penalty, there is a fine for going through it. But in a covert manner, we may you know, try to sneak through it because we think no one's watching or uh, we don't completely stop. We just sort of slow down and go on. In like manner, we make choices every day about how we are going uh, uh, to do and we also know there are consequences. In James chapter 4, verse 17, uh, it is uh, therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So where, do, where does all of our deeds begin? It begins in our mind. And God knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows the feelings we have that leads to our deeds and to the things that we think and do. So we may think it's okay to not stop at a stop sign because, you know, there's nothing coming. And we might just slow down just in case, but we don't sometimes don't really stop like the sign says uh, to do. And we don't mean, you know, any harm by it, but uh, a lot of things can happen. If we go through the stop sign, for one, you get into the habit of not stopping. And sooner or later, it can endanger life. But there's nothing coming, and we're late for work, or there's no one watching, or we just need to hurry, or you don't feel we need to, or we might say, I'll stop the next time around. And so some might even say, well, it's a really 
an inconvenient spot to put a stop sign. But there is a way, from the scripture it tells us, that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And the scripture that says to, to know to do good and to do it not, it is sin. So we have the Ten Commandments that have been given to us, and it's for everyone's good. So if we break them or, or bend them or, or rest them to our own our own destruction, it's you never know what's going to happen should you break a commandment. We might have an idea, but it's just something that comes along. Now those uh, lives that I just read over here in the book of Luke, you know, the, the point was, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Death comes to everyone, and sometimes we have uh, a part in causing it to come sooner than later. So we read in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 6, about the question of, well, does grace do away with the law? And shall we sin that grace may abound? Can we steal? Can we lie? Can we do those things that the, the law says for us not to do? But we know that there are laws against stealing. There are laws against uh, you know, robbery and things of that sort. So we also know there are laws against murder. Like in, in referring to 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 15, it says that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. But back to John chapter 1, over to uh, verse 17. It says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes, came by Jesus Christ. And grace, in the introduction that you gave on the, uh, the uh, outline that you have, Grace is a disposition that shows kindness and love, compassion and mercy, and forbearance, that is, you know, patience to those deserving punishment, even though justice demands that there uh, be a penalty. In John chapter 8 now, verse 1, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. So we see how grace and truth came. Christ was there because God the Father, the grace and truth, came through uh, uh, Jesus Christ, and he was there to show that grace. But the scribes and the Pharisees uh, brought unto him a woman, taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, you know the story, and with his finger he wrote on the ground, as though he didn't hear them, as though he heard them not. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said unto them, 
he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. So in verse 8, and again he stooped down, wrote on the ground, and they said, they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So we see the mercy and the grace, the compassion and the kindness that Jesus gave to that woman. When the law required that she be punished for her, her deed. But Jesus, before, as she was leaving, said, go and sin no more. So Jesus had power on earth to forgive sin. And he didn't come to the world to uh, judge the world. But he came to forgive the sinner. And once forgiven, he says to go and sin no more. And so now we live under that grace and we live under the truth uh, of the gospel, of the words that Jesus Christ gives to us in the Holy Bible. So grace comes from both God and it comes from Jesus Christ, the Son. In referencing 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, that Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from Jesus, from Jesus Christ, our Lord. And also in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there are other scriptures that say this. But the fact that grace is received from both God the Father and from Christ the Son is evidence of the deity of, of Christ. Now, in Galatians, we read where the Apostle Paul, he sent a letter to, of concern to the converts that were living there in Galatia. And they were in the process of turning away from that grace, giving up their faith in, in Christ Jesus. And he said to them in Galatians, looking in Galatians, uh, verse 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ, Unto another gospel. Now this was the grace of the Father. Who called them into the grace of Jesus Christ. This was good news for the converts. But now they were turning to another gospel. Another calling. Another teaching. What was this other gospel? We have to look back in, in, to see what was their background. And so in Galatians chapter 4. It's in verse uh, 9, first verse 8, How be it then, when ye knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and uh, beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days, and months, and times, and years. 
So when those dates came around to those uh, Christians there, it was time for celebration because they were hooked into those to those dates and times and what the celebration was all about, and it was a, a habit in their culture. And Paul said, I'm afraid of you. That is, he said, I fear for you, said Paul, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. These wanted to belong or go back to their former ways, go back to their culture, the, the gods that they worship. And they did not come to a full stop in doing and believing in the right thing. So it was hard as it could be for a lot of people to give up uh, their culture, their practices that they uh, ha had established among themselves. Now it was in Lystra where Paul and Barnabas had gone to preach Christ and Lystra was a region of Asia Minor in Galatia. In Acts chapter 14, verse 8, it says that there was a man there who was crippled from birth, sitting there listening to Paul. The same heard Paul speaking, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So Paul saw this man in, in, among the listeners, and he sensed that this man had the faith, that he was there to be healed. And Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man leapt up and he walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of man. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Uh, scholars say these names may have been references to uh, Zeus and to Hermes. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, he brought oxen and garlands into the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. The priest, you know, the priest uh, of Jupiter, they, he was the pagan leader of that city and the the people were about to sacrifice to their God, which when Paul, when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes. They tore their clothes and ran in, ran in among the people, crying out, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions when you, uh, with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. <clears throat> now the false gods, that's, you know, the gods of stone that some people uh, worship or other made-up images, they wanted to go back to these and then turn from the living God. In verse 16, who in times past, God suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. So, you know, we have freedom to choose. We have freedom to do as we please and to follow our own ways, but not without consequences that, that can happen along because of the deeds we do or the way we think. Verse 17, nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. So we see the grace of God 
he made it rain on the just and on the unjust because he had loving grace toward all of his creatures, both man and beast. But it was a pagan background of the Galatians that, that they were about to turn back to old ways of worship. And sometimes even in our Christian faith, sometimes we might want to go back to those old ways that won't do us any more good. So, are there old ways of thinking and doing that we would like to turn back to and give up what we know to be truth and then forsake the grace of God? The things we know today is by the grace and truth given to us by God the Father and Christ the Son. Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 7. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, possibly, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love for us, his compassion for us, for us his grace for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So there is, you know, a wrath for not doing the, uh, the right thing. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his, by his uh, life. Back up to verses 1 uh, there in Romans 5, uh, 1 through 5. It says, so now, verse 1, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for this. I'm reading from the, uh, the Living Bible on this. For because of our faith, he has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. What he has had in mind for each and every one of us who are listening for us to be. So we can rejoice, verse 3, 2, when we run into problems, when we run into trials. For we know that they are good for us, for they help us to learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and <clears throat> faith are strong and steady. You know, character has, has been defined you know, as doing the right thing when, when there's no one watching, when there's no one else around. We just do it because we know it is right. It's so like, you know, stopping at the stop sign because, you know, it's the right thing to do. Verse 5, then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well, for we know how dearly God loves us. And we feel uh, this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, in this life, there, there can be a lot of things that, that are discouraging to us, a lot of things that can go against us. 
And we may want to blame others for whatever difficulty we face. In Exodus 15, verse 22 on, the, the people had been delivered from bondage in Egypt. And they, they were filled with praise, having seen all the miracles that God performed for them. But now they faced the wilderness that was before them on their way from the Red Sea. And they were going to Mount Sinai, which was about a, a three-month uh, journey. And verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So you can imagine having no water around three days, and what is it, you know, four days, you know, you start really uh, feeling the effects of that. And when they came to Marah, in verse 23, they could not drink of the waters. There is water there. The waters of Marah, for they were, but they were bitter, and therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured, complained against Moses, saying, "What shall we drink?" So you know this was a trial of thirst. And reading through the, through the rest of those chapters, the next trial would be hunger, and then thirst would come again, and there would be war, and even uh, a, a uh, overwork. And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. And so he gave them a principle to live by when facing some sort of trial or discouragement something that would at least give them an understanding of sometimes when these trials happen, that there is a principle to live by. And he was essentially saying that obedience will bring blessing and that disobedience would bring judgment. And he said in verse 26, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and put none of the and he will put none of these oh, excuse me and will give ear to his com commandments and keep all his statutes i will put none of these diseases upon you which i have brought upon the egyptians for i the lord i am the lord that heals you from the psalms we know it says that all thy commandments are truth that all thy commandments are also righteous now, when there is a lack of rain, what comes next? You know, drought. Drought comes next. And when drought comes, when there's drought, then will come hunger. Also famine because, because you know, plant life and cattle can, can all languish. And then war and then conflicts. Deuteronomy chapter 28, beginning verse 15. It shall come to pass... If you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command you this day, and that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall you be in your basket and your store. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your kind, 
and the flocks of your sheep. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that you set your hand unto for to do until you be destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings whereby you have forsaken me. So when you forsake the Lord, you begin to let things go. You begin to compromise. You begin to forget the things that God has told us to do in his commandments. And the Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto you until he have consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. The Lord shall smite you with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with... <coughs> The sword, you know, meaning war, and with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue you until you perish. It may take some time, in the meantime, to look back upon these things that are happening and realize that there's, it's a wake-up call, that repentance would be in order. Verse 23, and your heaven that is over your head shall be brass, and the earth that is under you shall be iron. And the Lord shall make the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon you until you be destroyed. And the Lord shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee. So we see that these are deadly warnings that are before us. And we know, of course, that there are some in our world uh, who would rather not hear these or, or see these. Now, Isaiah chapter 30, Isaiah, was, he was told by the Lord to go and write down uh, his, the word of his concerning Egypt so that it will stand until the end of time forever and ever as an indictment of Israel of their unbelief. And he says in verse 9 that this is a rebellious people, lying children. Children that will not hear <clears throat> the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay therein, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly. So these things we see have been written for our time not only for then, but for our time today, for our time ahead, to see the things that are going on around us. So whatever the trial might be, we still must do the right thing and not turn back to the way we were, give in to the ways of the world, but to come out of her, as it says in the book of Revelation. So whatever the trial, we have to do the right thing. But... We often perceive the world 
as we are led uh, to believe it to be. There are some things that matter to some and, uh, and not to others. And many, uh, of course, are willing to believe what they want to believe and see it their way. And apart from the word of God, man can make up his own mind about grace and truth. But we look to the word of God, to Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. In Romans chapter 3, there were some questions that uh, were being debated about, and Paul was answering here, and this one concerned uh, uh, circumcision. He said, what advantage then has the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? And Paul says, much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So we know that it says thy word is truth and that we can, you know, depend on by looking at his word and know that it is true, that it is honest, that it has integrity, more so than anything that man can promise or assure us of. Verse 4, God forbid... Yea, let God be true, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you are judged. But if our righteousness, unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil, that good may come, whose damnation is just. You know, sometimes uh, some people look at it's, it's good to do evil. Get it out of your system. Do things of that sort, because... You have the freedom to do as you please. What then are we better than they? In no, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jew and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. We have only to just, you know, stop, look, and listen, and see how true these scriptures ring. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified 
in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So when we come to like an intersection in, in our life, stop, look, and listen. There are at least three other paths than the one that we're coming from that gives the direction in which to turn. Going straight across, going to the left, or going to the right. So we know that the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it, and that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. We don't know everything. But we look to the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, and that's what we need to know in this, in this world of ours. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. What manner of love has the Father bestowed upon you and upon me that we should be called the sons of God, the children of God? That's what we are. That's what you are. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him, for in him there is no sin. We're the sons of God. He has taken away your sin. He's taken away my sin. Verse 6, Whosoever abides in him sins not. Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Because not only does this age, not only does this world of, of goings-ons has a bearing on the way we live our life, but there is the hand of Satan behind it all. In this, <clears throat> the children of God are manifest, they're made known, and the children of the devil. This is how you know. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loves not his brother. For this is a message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And we know that grace and truth, that Jesus came to save sinners, and that he would have all men repent rather than perish. Matthew uh, 9, 2. Another uh, Event, <clears throat> behold, they brought to him a man that was sick of the palsy, laying on a bed, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins be forgiven. If you had your, you know, your Bible out, those are good words to hear. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. For if we believe in the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ, these words mean a lot to us. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ. In Christ Jesus. 
who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. That's how we can look at ourselves. Are we walking after the spirit or after the flesh? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. On down to verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh can't please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. And if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him, <clears throat> verse 11, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that rose up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So there's a time coming when our mortal bodies are going to be given immortal life <clears throat> in a time yet to come. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you, uh, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this is the grace, <clears throat> this is the truth that comes to us from God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son to each and every one of us personally. So let us be led by the Spirit of God. You know, in this age, there, there are perils, known and unknown. And there are fears that are real and imagined. And which can be, you know, debilitating, as, as Art gave in, in the first message. Fears can be debilitating. Some fear the government. Some fear the virus, personally, and they fear it for others as well. Some fear loss of freedom. But there is a fear that is good for us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, in closing, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is our whole duty. Verse 14, finally. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. But if we abide in Christ, we have the assurance that his grace, his peace, and his truth will be with us for as long as we live.